Blog Talk Radio. Jim Hart would say during our earlier broadcast, for those too young to understand the meaning, and an explanation is due, I guess, the Sun Oil Company advertised on its TV-sponsored shows, Blue Sunoco. Blue dye was used in the gasoline so that motorists could identify it by its color, though they looked through the glass of the 1920s gravity flow gasoline pumps. So now you know. And thanks to the late Jim Hart for that expression, we'll use this term in our opening monologue. So once again, as Jim would say, holy blue Sunoco, this one's for you. Hi, my name is Neil Holland, a retired Eastern Airlines captain and producer of the show in our 11th year of radio broadcasting. The show over the years have had many talents from the aviation industry and friends of the show. And we would like to give recognition to those hosts who have made the, that final flight west. Uh, that's an expression of passing among those in aviation. Mr. Jim Hart, Captain Bud Hescock, Captain Steve Thompson, Captain Michael Scott, Captain Jim Graybill, and Eastern Airlines, Miss Norma Jean Borger. 
Those mentioned gave their time to the host the radio show freely, as there's no pay going to any of our hosts and producers, although I'd like to be able to do that, but uh, it's, it's all, all labor of love. We're supported by donations from the airline family and friends, and the Retired Eastern Pilots Association, REPA, has been one of the main sponsors. Without them, we would have folded our tent or microphones years early, earlier. And thanks to all the individual support by donations from those listeners and friends, you keep us going. And as a tribute to our host and the ones who lost their lives in the recent Kentucky floods, which we will talk about, we offer this beautiful song by another aviator.
one of the most beautiful songs in our archive, if not the most beautiful song I've heard. Now let's once again tell our new listeners how we do these shows and how they can participate in the live broadcast that we do each Saturday. We are satellite-based in, in that uh, we have no Earth antenna. Our satellite is circling somewhere about 36,000 kilometers or 22,300 miles above the Earth. Our provider is known as Blog Talk Radio, thus the URL address of www.blogtalkradio.com and forward slash Captain Eddie, forward slash Captain Eddie. The Captain Eddie part is in honor of Captain Eddie Rickenbacker of World War I fame, the ace of the aces during World War I and the first Medal of Honor given to an aviator. He also became the president and CEO of Eastern Airlines. If you want to listen and talk, you can dial 213, that's area code 213-816-1611 on your smartphone. Your number will pop up on my caller's board, the producer's board we call it. By clicking the number one on your keypad, it will alert the producer that you would like to join the host and other listeners during the broadcast. In other words, you are now a co-host of the show. It's that simple. Call in 213-816-1611 to listen and talk. Or go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. And now let's see who's on the show with us today. Our hosts uh, include the following. As I see the lineup on my producer's board, I'm going to start with Captain Jim Holder. Captain Holder, how you doing, and where are you? Uh, I'm partly cloudy, and I'm right here in the middle of Georgia, <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> partly cloudy, huh? You're not covered clear, invisibility unlimited? <laughs> okay. I'm not stormy at all. Okay, and I see we've got uh, the next on the board is way up in Toronto, Canada. I hope it's not snowing up there, Brenda Chabot. How are you, Brenda? I'm good. How are you? Doing fine. We're doing fine. Okay, now let's look. It's a heat warning, no snow. (laughs) No snow, it's a heat warning. Okay. That's right. Along with the rest of the world. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And way over in Pensacola, Florida, the panhandle of Florida, uh, over in my area uh, a few years back where we lived, uh, Margaret Bars in the big city of Pace, Florida, which is a suburb, I guess, of Pensacola. Right, Margaret? That is correct. And it is sunny here, so that's a nice thing to have on a Saturday morning. Right. Okay. And we got Jim, Captain Jim Harris. I see him way over in Texas area. Jim Harris, how you doing? Yep. Hey, greetings, everyone. I'm doing well today. It's another wonderful day. Uh, I got a clear blue sky. Going to be about 103 or four here today. Oh. <laughs> yep. 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 And then it's drier as a powder house, so maybe sometime soon we'll get some rain. But I'm not holding my breath on that. Okay, well, I think, great help, I think we all envy our next host and has been away too long, uh, Mr. Bill Joseph 
Uh, and Bill is way out there, I guess, in West Colorado. Bill, tell us exactly where you are. Well, Neil, they call it the Western Slope, and it's 250 miles west of Denver and 20 miles east of the Utah border. Elevation yeah. about 4,500 feet, and the temperature right now is 85 degrees with 35% humidity. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that, that's like it. I kind of like a refrigerator that's on and off, I guess. <laughs> not, you're not in the freezer, but it's at, at uh, 30. Wow, the humidity. It's dry, in other words, very dry. It helps with the high temperature, that's for sure. You know, they always talked about how dry it was when I used to go into uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I'd be out there on, uh, on the jetways, uh, and... Uh, and um, and uh, excuse my telephone. We hear them from time to time, even on the major networks, don't we? So so we're entitled to hear them once from mine. But at any rate, uh, you know they said that even 105 degrees, but it's dry. Well, 105 mm. degrees is 105 degrees. I don't care whether it's wet or dry. But but at any rate, okay. Well, before we get into our show's topic today, I'd like to thank Margaret Bars for being with us today. And after she and the world witnessed one of the most damaging floods in Kentucky history, if not America's history. Margaret, welcome back to our show. And, and we missed you uh, last week. And can you tell us what you know now about the disaster that happened only a week ago in your hometown? Thanks, Captain Neal, and thanks to all the hosts of the radio show for your prayers and support. We really appreciated it. Uh, I'm from a small town, or from the small town of Jackson, which is located in Breathitt County, one of the five hardest-hit counties in the state of Kentucky. My family farm, believe it or not, is located in a little area that we call Lost Creek. And this past week has been both overwhelming and heartbreaking for eastern Kentucky. Residents in five counties have faced the most devastating flash flooding in the state's history. It has been labeled a one-in-a-thousand-year occurrence. Death totals stand at 37, with still some people missing. County roads, bridges have been destroyed, making it difficult for the National Guard to deliver water, food, and basic medical supplies. They have used boats four-wheelers, horses, and, yes, even pack mules in some of the areas to get to those people affected by the flood. Helicopters have been employed to rescue people stranded on roofs, under cliff hangings, and those clinging to trees. One flood victim stated that the helicopters were so plentiful now that they seemed like giant gnats in the sky. Other organizations such as ARH, Appalachian Regional Healthcare, Red Cross, Sumerians, and hundreds of selfless volunteers are getting supplies to as many residents as possible. And if I may, I would like to share two personal phone calls that I received from my neighbors who live next to our family homestead in Breathitt County. The first neighbor that uh, call me, said, Margaret, this is the first time I could get through to you, but I need to tell you 
that your cousin Anne drowned in the flood. The water rushed into her home around three that morning and rose to the ceiling. She had no chance to get out, and no one could get to her for a couple of days. Her funeral was yesterday. I try not to imagine her struggling in that muddy water, but that's futile. Sadly, we have two other relatives who have also lost their lives. We lost our house, stable, farm equipment, gardens, everything. I tried, but I could only save five of my horses. All I could do was watch the other five being swept away. We slept in a pop-up tent for two days, and it rained most of the time. Yesterday, a man and his wife committed suicide because they lost their young daughter and everything they had. Today, we found a woman's body on the creek bank across from our property. None of us know who she is, probably washed out of one of the other counties. We have no water, no electricity, totally on the National Guard to bring supplies. They have saved us, and we can't say enough good things about them. Complete subdivisions near Jackson are destroyed. I honestly don't know if we can survive this, and even if we do, we will never be the same. And one other I would like to share with you, who's also my neighbor, but also my relative, my first cousin, Ed, and he was interviewed by the Louisville um, Journal, and he called and said, I think I'm going to leave this place. That flood took it all. I've just been walking around in shock. At 1 a.m. on that horrible morning, I checked to see where the water level was. And since it was still several yards away from my front yard, I thought it probably wasn't going to uh, reach me. Then around 2.30 or 3, I could hear things banging around in my house, and I smelled what seemed to be raw sewage. I jumped up and realized the water was about a foot deep in my house, and I barely had time to get out before it rose another three feet. Of all the crazy things, I grabbed a bottle of water and a bag of cookies on my way out the back kitchen door. Little did I know that that was all I would have to eat for two days. I climbed up on a big rock and watched every single thing I owned being destroyed. And there's so many heartbreaking stories coming out of all those affected areas and are so horrific that I cannot share them uh, with you today. Sadly, there will be more as search and rescue teams peel back the debris. Now, for those of you who would like to help and you want to donate uh, to Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund, uh, if you will Google Kentucky.gov, do not abbreviate Kentucky. You must spell it out. It's K-E-N-T-U-C-K-Y dot gov, G-O-V. And about an inch down from the top of the page, you will see a red bar, and it will talk about uh, Team Eastern Kentucky. And you can donate $5 up to 2000 or whatever you wish. Uh, the fund currently stands at $3 million, but that is, that is great that it is there, but these folks really, really need money. Uh, all your deductions will be tax deductible and you will receive a receipt for that. So we ask still for your prayers. Thank you. 
And back to thanks, you, Captain Ma- Yeah, Thanks, Margaret, uh, for this uh, difficult report that uh, you just gave us on the conditions from the great Kentucky flood is all I can call it, as it will probably be referred to by future generations. Well, let's get into our show, and we hope that uh, this will be a learning uh, experience for you, uh, those in aviation. And uh, But first of all, I'd like to welcome back uh, a gentleman that was with us years and years ago when we first started the show with Margaret and and uh, Bud Hescock and, and uh, Jim Hart, and uh, his name is Bill Joseph, which you heard him talk earlier, introduction time. And so I want to give this to you before you start, Bill Joseph. Here it is. Now, what do you got to say for that uh, about that, Jim, or Bill, as I call you Jim most of the time? I'll say thanks, Mr. Producer, for inviting me back to the show. It seems like years ago that Margaret and I helped host the radio show with others you mentioned in your opening monologue. I'm glad to still be around when needed, and I will pop in from now time to time. Today's show is about the airlines, as the new title of the show is called, the Airline Radio Talk Show. We decided to do an informational program about the airlines, or little-known facts, or airline trivia, whatever it appears to be. Let's start with talking about the world's largest airlines by passengers carried. Number one, American Airlines, 198.7 million passengers. With nearly 200 million passengers served annually, American Airlines is the largest airline in the world. The airline offers more than 6,500 daily flights to over 330 destinations around the world. American Airlines is expected to dominate air travel in the coming years, given its plans to increase its fleet size by over 100 aircraft. In the second position is Delta Airlines, with 183.7 million passengers. Delta is a large American airline with 183.7 million passengers served annually. Delta Airlines is the world's second largest airline and is headquartered at the Hartford-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, which is the busiest airport in the United States and one of the busiest airports in the world. Delta flies to six continents. Southwest Airlines is the third largest airline in the world by passenger count. Founded in 1966, Southwest Airlines has grown its fleet size and passenger numbers and currently has a network of 101 destinations in 40 states. United Airlines is a large American airline with its headquarters in Chicago, Illinois. It hosts 143.2 million people. It was founded as Varney Airlines in 1926. Though the airline has eight hubs in total, The largest hub is at Chicago O'Hare Airport. United has a fleet size of 758 aircraft. Ryanair had 119.8 million passengers and is a budget airline based in Ireland. 
It is the largest European airline in the world. Ryanair serves a network of 34 countries, especially in Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Ryanair's largest bases are located in Dublin and London. Airlines are ranked by the International Air Transport Association, or IATA. The ranking process consists of several factors, including the demand for air transportation, supply and performance of the airline industry. Now, if there is a largest, there must be the smallest. Margaret or Luann, can you tell us which one that would be? Well, sure, Bill. And let me say, it is so good to hear your voice again after so many years. And like you, I can't believe how many years it's been since we started on this show. Uh, But our next category would have to be the world's smallest airline, and that distinction would go to, in our opinion, People's Ventilone, the world's smallest airline and currently operating a single aircraft, an Embraer regional jet that seats 76 passengers. People's Ventilone serves one domestic destination and one international destination in two countries as of August 2022. Vienna, Austria, to St. Gillen, Alterheim, Switzerland. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Luann's tugging on my hair to add a comment or two. Well, Margaret, I know you weren't going to mention my Kentucky up our airline, so I have to add my thoughts as to who should also be in the running for the world's smallest airline. Now, you've heard me on the air talk about Kentucky up there, and it's a little bitty jet serving Lexington, Kentucky to Louisville, Kentucky. Now, that's a pretty short distance as the crow flies, or as air, or R, I'm sorry, I just never can say that word, R and R in Kentucky sounds like the same word. But anyway, it's our little hoot owl jet flies. Now, we all know that the crow flies in a straight line, and we sure don't fly that way on Kentucky up there. We prefer the hoot owl flight pattern. That old owl just flaps its wings, soars, and then glides. And that's what we do. We just soar and glide, soar and glide. And for some reason, our passengers seem so happy to get off the plane. We just can't understand that. And then, too, also I might add the following. Kentucky up there has one of the prettiest flight attendants on the face of the earth. And, of course, that would be me, Luann Wiggins, senior and only flight attendant. And I have the best personality. And, okay, Luann, uh, thank you so much for that important information. I'm sure we are all blessed to have heard it. Uh, But I believe the world's shortest airline route served as a ski airline. The ski airline connects the two capital cities separated by the Congo River with a Boeing 737 aircraft. And with just 13 nautical miles separating the two cities, the route is the shortest in the world operated daily with jet service. You may have heard that American Airlines just introduced the shortest commercial flight in the U.S. As far as I can tell, that is not the case, and the shortest flight in the USA remains unchanged. So what is the shortest USA airline route? Well, as part of its latest route consolidation in order to maintain service to all stations, 
as required by the CARES Act, American Airlines has a new milk route from Dallas-Fort Worth, DFW, to Eagle Vale, EGE, to Aspen, ASE, to Montrose, MTJ. Eagle to Aspen is only 29 miles. Its New England route map includes short hauls, Heather like Hyenas, HYA, to Nantucket, ACK, 31 miles. And what is really the shortest route in the land, Hyenas, HYA, that's kind of hard to say, to Martha's Vineyard, MVY, a journey of only 26 miles. Yes, by three miles, Cape Air, American Airlines beat. Now, Luann, I believe Lexington to Kentucky to Louisville, Kentucky, by air, 70 miles. So sorry, girl, that pushes Kentucky up air down the list pretty far. Come on, girls. Don't go arguing on the air. We got some more statistics. Which airline do you think has the most aircraft operators? After its most recent merger with Northwest Delta, briefly held the top spot on this list, but in the process of being surfaced by the new number one, far beyond even Delta's 1,288 aircraft, America Airlines' 1,494 aircraft. And which do you think is the world's most popular commercial jet? Well, the most world's most successful commercial jets are the Boeing 737 family. In the number one spot, an Airbus 320 is very close behind. The 737 has sold 14,956 airplanes. That's a lot of airplanes. And the A320, 14,281. Boeing is building 737 at the rate of 52 a month and will lift that to 57 in 2019, which has already occurred, I guess. While the Airbus 320 is being built at 55 a month with plans to live, lift that to three also in 2019. Now, another category we should include is the world's oldest operating airline, KLM. Referred to merely at three letters, KLM stands for Conlacantique, Lutzkart. Now, what did the, the uh, host uh, master say we could do? Say gobbledygook which in English translates to Royal Aviation Company. KLM was founded in 1919. Yes, 1919. The first first flight was in May of 1920. The passengers transported in the first year, 440. Passengers transported in 2018, 34.2 million. And as a nation that once had the largest merchant fleet in the world, it seems fitting that the Dutch were among the first to set up a national airline that became a strong force to be reckoned with. The need to connect Amsterdam to what was then known as the Dutch East Indies would certainly have been a powerful motivation to get KLM off the ground in early days. Although formally founded in October 19, 1919, the new airline did not really take off to 1920. That's May 1920. When a four-seater de Havilland DH-16 made the inaugural flight to London from down Dufont Croton Airport. Then, in 1984, KLM launched a service from Amsterdam to Batavia, now known as Jakarta. Uh, or, no, I think I had that backwards. That's, Jakarta was then known. 
the world's longest air route at the time. Brenda, help me out. <laughs> okay, Captain Jim. I guess at this point we should also also mention that the <clears throat> excuse me, the world's first commercial airline. On January first, nineteen fourteen, the world's first scheduled passenger airline service took off from St. Petersburg, Florida, and landed at its destination in Tampa, Florida, about 17 miles away. The St. Petersburg-Tampa Airboat Line was a short-lived endeavor, only four months, but it paved the way for today's transcontinental flights uh, that are done daily. The flight took place between St. Petersburg and Tampa, flying a total of 23 minutes between the two cities, separated by 21 miles of bay waters. The plane maintained an altitude of 15 feet <laughs> above the op- across the open waters of the bay rather than a high arc like one would see in today's flights. The plane was a Benoist 14 two-seater with a very small flight deck. It was piloted by Tony Janus, so he's the world's first commercial airline pilot and one paying passenger. <laughs> And living here in Canada, I have a few aviation facts for Canadian listeners. Alexander Graham Bell had organized the Aerial Experiment Association for the Development of Aviation, which was funded by his wife, Mabel Gardner Hubbard, from the sale of some of her real estate. The Aerial Experiment Association AEA member Frederick Walker Baldwin was the first Canadian to pilot an aircraft in 1908, although not in Canada. The first powered heavier-than-air flight in Canada occurred on Bradour Lake at Baddock, Nova Scotia on on February 23, 1909, when John Alexander Douglas McCurdy piloted the AEA Silver Dart over a flight of less than one kilometer or 0.62 miles. McCurdy and Baldwin in August 1909 demonstrated the Silver Dart and the Baddock No. 1, a second aircraft built in Canada, to Canadian military authorities at Camp Petawawa. Both aircraft were damaged during the demonstrations and so did not impress the military authorities who lost interest in using such aircraft. McCurdy later flew a record-setting overwater flight from Florida nearly to Cuba in 1910, a trial flight to transport newspapers from Montreal to Ottawa in 1913 ended in a crash. So I guess we weren't doing too well. <laughs> and Canada's yeah. first commercial airline, Air Canada, which was at the time called TransCanada Airlines, TCA, um, is the flag carrier, of course, Air Canada, and the largest airline of uh, Canada by fleet size and passengers carried. Air Canada maintains its headquarters in the borough of Saint Laurent, Montreal, Quebec. The airline, founded in 1937, provides scheduled and charter air transport for passengers and cargo to 222 destinations worldwide. It is a founding member of the Star Alliance. Air Canada's major hubs are Montreal at Trudeau International Airport, which is YUL, Toronto Pearson International Airport, YYZ, Calgary International Airport, YYC, and Vancouver International Airport, YVR. The airline's regional service is Air Canada Express. 
This brings us to the last category of the airlines. Captain Harris, what do you have for us? Last, but by no means the least, most commercial carriers operate on land airports. A few operate on water seaports, so let's get started. The world's highest commercial airport is the um, Baochingi Yadi Airport, must be China. It's an airport located in the uh, township in Siyuan province of China. The airport serves the Chowan province and has the capacity of handling 280,000 passengers per year. Constructed in a mountainous region, the airport sits at 14,472 feet above sea level and holds the title of the highest airport in the world since its construction September 16, 2016, at a cost of $255 million. Three airline companies use the airport and are comprised of Air China, Sichuan Airline, and the China Eastern Airlines, all of which have flight in Chengdu. The world's busiest airport, as of July 22, 2022, is Atlanta. Atlanta continues to be the world's busiest airport with 4.8 million seats, up 4% compared to last month. Atlanta was also the busiest airport in 2019. The world's longest commercial runway is Omadu Bamda Airport, and it's in China, and it has a runway length of 18,045 feet. Wow. The world's shortest commercial runway, flying into Sabu, isn't for the faint-hearted. The Vertugas slopes and sea cliffs of this five-square-mile island in the Caribbean don't leave much space to land a plane. But Juahua Airport, claiming to <laughs> Saba's only bit of flatland, is proof that it can be done. With a strength strip of asphalt 1,300 feet long, only 900 feet of which are usable. The runways are not much larger, longer than an aircraft carrier. Sheer drops in the sea at either end add an extra layer of excitement to the arrival on which is acknowledged as being the shortest commercial runway in the world. Uh, Johanna Airport is something of a holy grail for Av- for Av- Greeks, but it's also a lifeline for Saba, bringing in tourists and taking out locals in need of medical attention. The runway appears on one of the Saba's sh- postage stamps, and the souvenir shop in the village of Winder Waldy says, T-shirts emblazoned with the slogan, I survived the Saba landing. <laughs> you could take the ferry to get here, but the flight often appears in lists of the world's scariest landings. And that seems enough to give it a try. <laughs> Win Air is the only scheduled user, although various charter operators also connect Saba with neighboring islands. It saw its first landing in February of 1959, a feat reportedly witnessed by all of all, almost all of Saba's residents. Well, folks, there you have it. All you need now is to pass an airline trivia at your sport next sports trivia bar contest. We thought you ought to know. Back to you, Mr. Producer. <laughs> Very interesting stuff there you guys presented. And I was going to add about the highest airport uh, taking off, I think at one time, La Paz, Bolivia. 
uh, carried that distinction. But since the new airport opened in, I think it was 2013, uh, Jim Harris, that opened up, uh, it has uh, it has become the world's highest now of over 14,000 feet, whereas La Paz, if I can recall correctly, is uh, 13,325 feet above sea level. And I don't know if any of you Eastern guys flew into La Paz, but Eastern Airlines flew there, and uh, it was called, the airport is called El Alto. I guess that's the high international airport, El Alto International Airport. Did any of you guys, Jim uh, Holder, did you ever fly in there? Uh, no, I didn't. I guess Gunnison's about the highest one I flew into. Maybe Mexico how, City. How high? Well, Mexico City is what about seven thousand something? Something like that. I think, think. Gunnison's yeah. around eight thousand. It's uh, one of these yeah. runways you don't go around. You land. Yeah. You can't yeah. go around after about six or seven hundred feet on final. You're going to land one way or the other. You're going to put it on the ground. Brenda, yes. what's the highest airport that you can recall flying with uh, Ward Air? the airline that you were flying? I don't know, Neil. I mean, we just, we didn't go anywhere kind of different like that. Um, you know, just Hawaii and Europe and, um, well, Mexico, Mexico City and yeah, Acapulco. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. And I guess Lou I Ann, do know, you're Neil. Do I? <laughs> okay. Sorry. I was going to say I do know that we... We flew a really short route on a 747, and I think it was Aruba to ooh, one of the other little islands down there. And it was so short because you were literally up a little bit and down, but I, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I'm glad you mentioned the short route because I used to fly 1011. We had a trip from, I don't know, New York or Atlanta, somewhere up there, coming down to Miami. And it made, I think, about one or two stops. Well, one stop was in Fort Lauderdale. And then the next stop, passengers still on the airplane going to Miami, uh, would be from Fort Lauderdale to Miami. And taking off, you're almost right immediately in the traffic pattern at Miami International. So sometimes we'd leave leave the wheels down and uh, raise the flaps a little bit and and land in Miami. So, golly, that's... I don't know how many miles it is by air by the crow flies, but uh, it was just a few miles. Jim, did you ever have that, or Jim Harris, or Jim Holder? That yes, I did, and it worked the other way too, from Miami to Fort Lauderdale. Yep, you know, that's right. Didn't have that's time right. to get scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I about, know we had Jim Harris says about it. Yeah, Jim yeah. Harris is about as short as I remember is from Mutsley LaGuardia over to Newark. Yeah, that's okay. that's a very short short flight. That's a short one too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess these were not considered uh, scheduled routes. Well, I guess they were because Fort Lauderdale. We had passengers. We flew them on over to Miami, yeah, and I guess we picked did. up passengers. Yeah. So that that's a pretty darn short route. I don't know how we missed that. Well, at any rate, good good stuff there. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, any discussions on any of the the uh, trivia that we just talked about? 
No, I have a tiny story. <laughs> one Let's of our it. It bad weather. One of our uh, DC tens couldn't make it to Toronto because we were fogged in, so it uh, landed in Buffalo, and they bust the passengers and that crew, Toronto. So um, a friend and crew and myself, as the only flight attendant, were called in the middle of the night that a limo would be at our door to take us to Buffalo to bring it home. So we did. And when we got to Buffalo, I remember there was a America Transair DC-8 that was pulling out. And it turned a little too close to our DC-10 and its wingtip broke the radome on the nose. Yeah. Oh, my. And it it was like in a, I don't know, a, a comedy movie because sure enough, they got out with their insurance, you know, like wow. you do at a car accident. And uh, that was dealt with on the ground. And then we just flew it home from Buffalo across to Toronto, across Lake Ontario, so without the radar. But uh, <laughs> that was a pretty quick flight, I'll tell you, wow. like five minutes, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- I can imagine seeing those pilots when that wings started coming across the radome. They probably yes. got out of their seat and yes. ran to the back. <laughs> you know what? We weren't. We were sitting in um, waiting to even board our aircraft. We were sitting watching it through a glass oh. window in the lounge. <laughs> we're like, no. no I think so. <laughs> and there uh, it went. <laughs> oh, aviation, we all have so many stories, don't we? Oh, we sure do, yeah. We yeah, really we do. Sure do. Yeah, yeah, we've we've told about uh, seven, nearly seven hundred stories over the years on this radio show. Well, probably we've got more seven hundred more for you, Neil. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take all I can hey, get. Cap- hey, Captain Neil, this is Luan. Luan. I heard you mention I heard you mention my name a minute ago. And yeah. uh, I thought maybe you wanted me to comment on, you know, the height of uh, of these places that people fly into in these big old airplanes. Now, we don't fly that high because Earl, our pilot, he gets a nosebleed when he gets up real high. And so we just kind of skim over the mountains. You know, we just kind of like skim them. And what happens is, well, it's not what happens, but that is what explains our hoot owl theory. And that's what Earl does. He just flaps the wings, gets them up there, soars up there, and then glides on in. And that's our story. So, no, we don't fly too high, even though I said once that we do fly high, you know. I believe the second time I was on the show. But we have revised that because we have a new pilot named Earl. And that's our story. Thank you for listening. Little world. Margaret, take her over to uh, McGuire's and give her a drink tonight. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to. Believe me, I, I just, oh, you have no idea how difficult it is being around her. But anyway, that's the show. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, let's see. Where are we here? Uh, Jim Harris, do you have anything that you want to add to it? No, not really. I'm enjoying listing myself. Okay. And, again, I'd like to especially thank Bill Joseph. Bill had uh, an appointment uh, for the show. He didn't know whether he was going to be here for the whole duration of the show, but I see he's left. But uh, now we can talk about him. (laughs) 
But uh, Bill, Bill was my editor in chief in the early scripts that I used to write, and I could not get a script by Bill Joseph without corrections. Lots of corrections. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, and uh, didn't get upset, and uh, but he would point out all my mistakes, and uh, there were many. There were many. But it's so great uh, that uh, Bill is back with us, and he's agreed that any time we need him for a show, uh, he'd be happy to come on. And he lives between Colorado and Tampa. He's got a home in Tampa, too, uh, during winter winter time. And Margaret, uh, for being back in such short absence from the lineup because of personal, tragic, natural uh, things that have happened in your life, well, thank you very much for being here and bringing along Luann with you. And uh, uh, once again, I'd like to ask, that was Kentucky.org that a person could send no. donations? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. It's Kentucky.gov, G-O-V. And they have G-O-V. To, yes, and they have to spell Kentucky out. And if they just Google Kentucky.gov, it'll take them to that website and then they'll yeah. see that red bar just about an inch down. And if they click on that, that's where they can donate. And thank All you right. for asking about that again. Thank you. And Brenda, can you bring us up to date on the Silver Liners? And have we got 80 airlines yet, or are we still holding at 70? I'm not quite sure, but I think we were past 78 in the last um, wow. two weeks or so. So, oh, yeah, good. it is amazing. I mean, we've more than doubled our size in the last three years. And so for those that don't know, Silverliners is an organization of former and current flight attendants from all airlines. It started out by Eastern Airlines flight attendants, which was wonderful, and it was called the Eastern Airlines Silverliners, but now it is just Silverliners International. And the joy that we have working together for the good of our um, our country, uh, for the good of, but we all, every chapter has a charity that they work towards and have fun working towards it. And then the international part, which we all belong to, has the Hole in the Wall Gang camp as our international charity. And that was the um, camp that was founded by Paul Newman to help children with disabilities. And it's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to donate to. Now, we have, um, you know, we post on Facebook all the time. Uh, You you know, if you get to somebody listening and wants to join, we'd love to have you. And um, you meet new friends, et cetera. But go to the website, www.thesilverliners.org, www.thesilverliners.org. Now, as we speak, we're opening new chapters. Well, I can't even remember all the names. I know one in Florida is going to be called the Space Coast Chapter. Mm-hmm. And I believe we have one in Seattle opening, and there's about two or three out west. Now, something that's new to us um, is happening. Every year, we have a get-together. On one year, it's the convention held at, hosted by a chapter in their city, and that's a four-day event, four nights, three to, uh, five days. And the other one is the uh, what we call our business meeting, but it's like a mini-convention, so it's three days. Well, our mini-convention is what is new here, 
it is being hosted by a brand new chapter, and that's tough, you know. There's not that many in it yet, but anyway, it's Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. And we're so proud of Dallas for doing that. So next spring, in April, we're having that in uh, DFW. But they got together, which is what is the first time, with three other brand-new chapters who are co-hosting that event in Dallas. So like Mm. I say, that's never been done before. So the other chapters are Denver, Phoenix, and Southern California. And the camaraderie and the fun they're having, of course, via uh, Zoom and emails, et cetera, um, I'm on, because I produce a magazine, I'm also involved in all these Zoom meetings. And I just love to see it. It is just wonderful. So anyway, we certainly have teamwork, enthusiasm, new friends, tons of aviation stories, tons of history with some of our ladies who flew with um, airlines back in the 1940s and 50s. And these are just precious. So anyway, mm-hmm. once again, we'd love to have you. We are growing. It's pro- I think it's the biggest uh, flight attendant organization in the world. And it's www.thesilverliners.org. So thank you for giving me that time, Neil. And Neil is a member. Oh, we yes. We have pilots as members. They are called associate members. We absolutely yeah. love to have them. They can participate in everything. Um, they get the magazines. The only thing they can't do is vote because you have to be a, have been a, a flight attendant. But, yeah, so you can join if you're a pilot and get back with your crews. <laughs> so there we go. And I, and I did exactly that, Brenda, a couple of weeks ago. And, guys, you ought to join as an affiliate member of your nearest chapter because here I was, and my wife is sitting across the desk from me right now. She's probably, she looks like she's asleep, but she probably can hear me talking. But here I had 13 <laughs> lovely flight attendants that I used to fly with half of them in Atlanta, uh, and we had a brunch at the Hangar Bistro, Bistro, Hangar Bistro, at the St. Augustine Regional Airport here in St. Augustine, Florida. And a great gathering, 13 or 14, 14 gals. And here I was, the lucky guy sitting in the, among, right in the middle of, of all the action there. And uh, had my picture taken several times, and you can probably see see the uh, the ladies uh, in the picture uh, on Facebook uh, on the Facebook. Oh yeah, the E-A-R-A. The magazine. <laughs> All right. See uh, now, Jim, what's happening to Repa? Is it still alive? Well, funny you should ask. Uh, you know, we lost uh, our. Vice President Richard Burnett, Burnett and yeah. they are uh, Jim Gardner just yesterday has thrown his hat in the ring to maybe be put back on the board. He's a past president like me, and uh, they're going to they're talking about having a Zoom meeting here shortly uh, to determine what they're going to do with Reaper. But Reaper is still alive, no doubt about it. Uh, Jerry okay. Frost and I had a lunch yesterday, and we discussed it in detail. And, um, and um, of course, I'm no longer on the board. I'm just still just the guy that uh, does the uh, uh, REPA online website. 
Yeah, while I got you here, let me uh, ask you. I don't know if you remember some years ago where I told my personal trip from hell at Eastern Airlines, and it wasn't Waterloo, Iowa. It was another one. And there's so many new people around. I just wonder if someday we might, sometime we might do a repeat on that because it had a surprise ending, as you probably will recall, in my troop, my flight from hell at Eastern. It takes about... 10 minutes and if we could squeeze well, it in sometime in the future i'd be glad to do it again if you don't want to oh no no i'm always looking for new material <laughs> uh, even though that's old material we'll make it new because we can change that i can we can uh, massage that into a skit and have maybe we can even get uh, uh some flight attendants like Lou Ann to perform on something like that <laughs> Oh, Captain Neil, I'm always on stage, so you can ask me any time. Well, I'll tell you, that was the longest day of my life. I want to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we used to have a a surprise ending, too. Yeah, I remember that. Ooh, I like that. Well, we'll have to do that. We're going to get together and do uh, do uh, do something like that, Jim, at the future one. But I oh, wanted to let you know we're going to skip next week, so you got the week week off next Saturday. And uh, okay. I've got uh, I've got some things to do. Uh, we're getting close to my granddaughter's wedding, that will be uh, in Orlando. So uh, my wife and I both uh, kind of got to get uh, out of uh, dungarees and uh, our shorts and and find something appropriate <laughs> for, for our wedding. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, one thing. Yeah. Sorry, with Repa. Why don't you guys do what Silverliners did? I don't understand. That's a good um, idea, Brenda. Open it up to retired airline pilots of any Uh, airline. (laughs) Most of the guys doing reaping now trying to get it down, not make it bigger. (laughs) We've been doing it. I've been on the reaping thing since uh, 2002. I've been an office holder and president twice and editor and all that other stuff. Oh, man. Somebody else is going to have to save save me. I'm 85 and worn out. That's for the young at heart. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, the young at heart. Right. There you go. Well, I tell you what, those uh, flight attendants that I had brunch with at the airport, uh, they haven't changed too much. They're still beautiful ladies. And uh, uh, one one is, uh, and you know Mary Golly, Brenda, Mary Golly started with Eastern, and she, uh, when Eastern folded, she went over to American Airlines, and she married Uh an American Airline captain, and they lived uh, here, yeah, over on uh, St. Augustine, over the beach area, and I went to their home one time, they had a, they had a meeting there, and uh, uh, brunch, and um, uh, they wanted me to give a little talk. That was silver lining for her. Yeah, and uh, so it's always fun to be with these gals. They they really are, and they tell some good stories. And I told them, I said, you know, I missed hearing the some of the dirtiest jokes I've ever heard was from the flight attendants oh. telling telling the pilots oh in the cockpit. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, one I got one. I remember one. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, don't get everybody of, going on anything. We'll come up yeah. With stuff. 
<laughs> well, it's a lot of fun being with uh, people that uh, aviation uh, crew members, uh, whether they're front end or back end, and it really is a lot of fun. I'm glad I'm the only guy that attends the meeting here. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, uh, that's pretty much our show today, and and now uh, to bring the show in for a usual three-point landing, a smooth landing that is, we turn it over to Captain Jim Holder and his crew and the Miami Tower. Oh, uh, brother, this is your good-looking, handsome, debonair captain. I want to know how the passions have been brief. <laughs> we're about 15 miles out. We determined that we know where we're going to land, and it should be at the gate in about 10 minutes. Yes, Captain Debonair. The cabin is prepared, and see you in the crew car to the hotel. Miami Tower. This is Arch. Airline radio talk show flight 62, about 10 miles out. Uh, Roger, Arch, flight 62. You're clear to land on runway 27 right. The wind is 290 degrees at 12 knots. Roger, Miami. Arch 62 is coming in. I love to hear the tires sing like that. Yes, sir. Speaking of singing, let's get Merle Haggard to sing us out of here. Thanks, guys. Great show. Appreciate Thank you. being here and delivering. Thank it. you. I Good think show. you, Neil. You do Save a wonderful job. Thanks. Silver wings shining in the sun. Taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Don't leave me, I cried. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me. Out of your mind and left me standing here behind silver wings shining in the sunlight, roaring engines headed somewhere in flight. They're taking you away. Silver wings, slowly fading out of sight. 
Oh 